The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. It's time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos. And now, here's your hosts... John and Steven. Thank you, it's Catherine and Comics. I'm your host, John Clark, and it's a rare occasion that I am not talking to anyone on Zoom. <laughs> uh, Mike Kaplan is here, good friend of the show, owner of Mr. Wayne's Pop Culture. How are you doing today? Did I get that right? I always just say Mr. Wayne's. Uh, Mr. Wayne's Pop Culture Collectibles is our official name. But yeah, everybody's just Mr. Wayne's or Wayne's. People call it all the time. Which... Yeah, so I got most. I got it all right. Yeah, right? you're good. You're why good. Am I, why am I denigrating myself? I don't know, man. I this is know. my problem. I've been doing this podcast for ten years, and I still start the show going like, I don't know. What, what, do you own a store? <laughs> do you like? I might as well start every episode with like, Do you like superheroes? <laughs> it's almost the Chris Farley show. <laughs> do you like caffeine? <laughs> do you like to be awake and talk about superheroes? <laughs> I do too. That's really cool. But speaking of right ta- on. <laughs> speaking of talking about superheroes, um, you and I have been. You and I, have been, uh, you will usually every once or twice a year, we'll check in on the toy industry. We'll yes. talk about how that's going, mm-hmm. and we're overdue for that. But um, this is something I've been talking about a lot on the podcast lately. But I don't have anybody that goes as deep as I do, <laughs> uh, especially since uh, Bill Monroe, God rest his soul, passed away because he was my one big Trekkie friend. Star Trek is in such a healthy place right now. Yes. And I w- really want to celebrate that. And I feel like most of the show is me telling people about that and people going, oh, I don't have Paramount Plus. Yeah. And yeah. That's, that's been my life. But uh, I, it's been... I feel like it's been around, Discovery's been on for, you know, about six years now, mm-hmm. but I feel like it's been the last year or so that it's really, that it's really taken off between Strange New Worlds, um, Lower Decks, which I, I always loved, and then a, the last season of Picard. Yes. So how are you feeling as a Trekkie? Oh, I am, I am just over the moon as a Trekkie, and I guess that's a pun, I didn't mean to do that, um, but it is, uh, I, I have been so happy with it, it's so funny because uh, at the shop, our main topics of conversation are always the Marvel, you know, cinematic universe, and Star Wars, mm-hmm. and even more than DC because you have a lot of DC. In the we shop. do, but that's that's more a personal thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is that is not a toy industry thing as much as I just love that stuff. Actually, it's the same with my Star Trek stuff. I have a lot of Star Trek stuff because I'm a fan, right? Like well, people aren't necessarily looking for and it. That's it's something just... I want to get into. Um, I do want to talk about the state of Star Trek toys right now because sure. we have we're in a really interesting place, and I want to get into the reasons of why we're not in a more stable place with toys right. that we are for every other license. Right. But, um, well, I I mean, you know, going back to what you were saying too, you know, I completely relate to not being able to talk to people about Star Trek uh, because it's just not the big fandom right now. So it's funny when people come in and they start talking, especially because. More than not, people are actually complaining about Star Wars and complaining about the MCU lately, where I always, every time somebody tells me about this, oh, this was fan service and I didn't like that because of whatever issue. I love I love that. It was like a fan comes in and is like, I hated this because they did something that I was supposed to like. I know. It's so <laughs> ridiculous. 
But I always tell people, if you want to see real fan service done right, watch Star Trek uh, Picard Season 3. Yeah. Because every it's not just like, hey, look at that guy in the background. Or like, hey, we're just going to throw this person in here to just rem- hey, remember this guy. No, it's everybody means something. Yeah. And I think the best example of that it, uh, in Picard Season 3 is Ro Laren. Like, Ro, you could have brought her in to just, I don't know, see them off. Mm. Or do something that was like, or, or even a Be name on drop. The ship already. Yep, yeah. yep. But they did something where they brought her in, so you got the shock of her just showing up after all these years. And then two, you actually got a good character development. We got to see where she's been. We got to see, yeah, you, you know, advance that story. Yes, which exactly, which was a plot thread that was hanging out there because she mm-hmm. was supposed to be Kira on Deep Space Nine, mm-hmm. and Michelle Forbes decided she didn't want to keep doing sci-fi, and she's had a great career since, even right. though she's come back and done things like that of Star Galactica. Right. But uh, she decided to leave the Star Trek franchise, so her story just kind of dropped mm-hmm. with her not working. But they were able to pick that up and go, here's all the questions you had right. when right. Michelle Forbes stopped doing Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And I, I think in Picard Season 3, they made a real effort to say, we're doing this for the fans. Um, where I think Star Trek Picard Season 1 and 2 were a little like, we kind of want to see where we can go with this character, which is great. Yeah. But when you do something that was like, I mean, if this wasn't a big old thank you note to the fans, I don't know what is, you know. I I totally agree and it's it's still my favorite pop uh media thing of 2023. We Absolutely. Were, uh Elliot Serrano and I were saying for months of like Indiana Jones has to reach the Picard season 3 bar. Yeah. In yeah. terms of like bringing back a character after two decades to tell you what happened to yeah. him. And I enjoyed Dial of Destiny, but I had to say I think Picard season 3 outdid the fifth Indiana Jones year. I think Picard season three outdid everything. So everything in media nowadays is either a reboot, a sequel or a prequel. Like there's very few original ideas out there. I mean, they're out there, but there's, they're few and far between. So within that, I think Star Trek has actually kind of figured it out a little better than everybody else. I mean, there's great things that are happening in Star Wars and everything. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I can't wait for Ahsoka. Like I am, I'm freaking out. But at the same time, I think that there's going to be a lot of stuff in Ahsoka that's like, oh, did you see that ship fly by in the background? Whoa, right. that was cool. But like, in, in and that's something that loses me. And you and I have this conversation a lot off the air. Uh, of I was never able to finish any of the animated series, and I've always chalked it up to like I just felt like I'm too old because I feel like okay, these are aimed at at getting kids into Star mm-hmm. Wars. And I, uh, I tried all of them, and I would get like a season or two in, but I was like, ah, I just can't hang on. And so many of these Dave Filoni live action ones have been like, this guy's from a cartoon, and he's in here, mm-hmm. and it's going over my head, which is a rare thing for me in fandom. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> for me to go like, oh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know who that oh, is. Oh, exactly. Uh, but with, with Star Trek, it's just everything has been resonating so deeply mm-hmm. uh, that... And like I said, everything has a reason to exist. Yes, yes. Um, I think that um, <clears throat> even throughout Strange New Worlds, they're they they're doing fan service in a way that's like, like you said, like you just joked about, like how is it that people complain when you're like, here's this awesome legacy character, and you put, oh, they just did that to make me happy. It's <laughs> like, well, well why, why else would they do it? You know what I mean? But uh, I've been in that World. relationship too. How <laughs> dare you try to make me happy? I think we've all. You been try there. to make me happy again, and I will make you miserable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can. I can think of a couple names attached to that, that one. That's a lot of fandom. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's it's just. Um, I think they've just done such a good job of of being fans, and I think this is 
not as much with Discovery and the earlier Picards, but with Lower Decks, with Strange New Worlds, and, and obviously Season 3 of Picard, they have said that, like, we're a bunch of fans. We have reverence for this. Mm -hmm. And we are not screwing around with it. We're not trying to make a spectacle of it. We're just giving you what we think would be really cool. Yeah, and, and we are at the point, um, I take a lot of credit for this being a Gen Xer, is mm -hmm. that uh, my generation were the latchkey kids who were just surrounded with TV and movies yeah. and comic books. And obviously, uh, we were of the age where Star Wars came out, where Star Trek came back as movies, where yeah. they, were like, they were throwing every fantasy against the wall, things like Krull and the NeverEnding Story and Labyrinth. Mm -hmm. and. Mm -hmm. um, but since Gen X are in their 50s now, these are the people that are in charge. So like a Terry Metalis is like a Kevin Feige. Yes. Or like a Jeff Johns of like, hey, here's all the stuff I loved and now I'm able to do it. It's mm -hmm. it's also like uh, people like Jesse Falcon or, or David Vonner in Toys. That The reason we have Marvel Legends is is from my generation. My generation, uh, the Migos ended when mm -hmm. I was like four. Right. And then we had... Secret Wars and, and Superpowers, which are great lines that were a blip on the radar. Mm -hmm. And then um, Millennials, like yourself, had all the toy I'm a Gen Xer, John. Are you? <laughs> yes, I, I, I just made way. it. 78, 78. Uh, I'm not counting that. <laughs> oh. You're post-New Hope. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm lucky to get... I, I'm stuck in the middle of two generations. Yeah. I, I, I love all the, the Gen X stuff, and I don't understand Millennials. <laughs> <laughs> but see, like, Stephen Brown's like 82, and he's a Millennial. It's yeah, like, it's... Yeah. it's it's in between there. I will I will take your Gen X cred, but I will look at you side eyed about it. That sounds fair. <laughs> fair enough. That's a compromise. I love it. But it was it was guys like uh in toys, it was guys like Jesse Falcon that created things like Marvel Legends. Yes. It was yeah. like, hey, what what if we did the figures and you could really pose them? What if they looked exactly like the comic book art? Mm -hmm. And that created the action figure landscape we have now. Right. Uh so um, and then, of course, everything followed suit. Like, Star Wars gave up being Star Wars to be Marvel Legends. Mm -hmm. And that those are the people that are making, like, the major media decisions. And I feel like um, Star Trek finally got there. Because Star Trek, for the longest time, were only hiring the non-fans. Mm -hmm. You know, they were famous for... Um, Doug Drexler talked about this when mm -hmm. he was on our podcast. It was like, they didn't want to talk to me because I had worked on Star Trek and loved Star Trek until mm -hmm. Picard Season 3. Like, guys like Brandon Braga didn't know Star Trek when it came in. Ron Moore tried not to let anybody know that he loved Star Trek. Right, right. <laughs> and that's finally flipped where it's like, no, I love it, and I'm not going to be a drooling fanboy about it. Yeah. Like, I, I'm going to do the right thing for the franchise, but have it make sense. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a lot of where Kevin Feige's coming from, as wobbly as Marvel is getting lately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It wouldn't be where it was without that kind of strong hand on the wheel. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I think that's the problem with DC's universe in general is there's no hand on the wheel at yeah. all. Well, I mean, now we'll see what happens with James with Gunn. James Gunn, yeah. But, but it, it doesn't seem like – it seems like <laughs> Zack Zach Snyder was almost the navigator, but there was nobody driving the car. Yeah, I felt like Jeff Johns wanted to be Kevin Feige, and he just never got the leverage. Well, I think also that uh, – I think Disney, with all their money, is a little more – quick to take a chance yeah. where DC and Warner brothers, they're on a little bit more of a budget, so they can't quite just go, let's take a shot at this. You right. know what I mean? And don't forget Disney bought something that was already successful. Yes. Like yeah. they, they bought Disney after Avengers. So they were just like, just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Which, you know, which is, uh, what they did with Star Wars. Everybody was so worried that Disney was going to like water down the brands mm -hmm. and they haven't, they, they, you know, they may have, 
they may have uh, started to kill the golden goose in, in some people's opinion of just like cranking out the content right. to where it's getting thinned out. But they haven't like made it the G-rated version. Right. Whereas DC, DC's always been like, Batman's always been the easy sell. Mm-hmm. And part of, uh, I feel like part of the Zack Snyder-ness was like, we'll make everything Batman. Yeah. You know, we'll make Green Lantern Batman, where it's never daytime. I, I kind of feel like that, that what, 80% of DC Comics after The Dark Knight Returns came out said, let's just do that. Let's oh, just and make Marvel it all too. darker, yeah. you know? And I don't, and I don't agree with that. I, I think that there's certain characters that, sure, they, you know, it's okay to put Green Arrow fighting at night sometimes against darker villains, but also he's more of a quippy kind, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's, I, I picture him more he the daytime. He makes giant trains with his finger. Yes. <laughs> yeah. like you gotta... You need to embrace that, but to not go too far down the DC rabbit hole. Right, 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 yeah. Um, as we said, we've been using that as the example. <laughs> this is like of, when you come into the shop, John. We're just like, yeah. do, do, do. <laughs> yeah. Except I also walk out with like $150 worth of merchandise. It happens, it happens. Well, no, in, instead, now you're in a room that's surrounded by merchandise. <laughs> But my my uh, the recording booth I have now is not unlike your shop. <laughs> that's very true. That's very true. Everywhere you look, toys. Yes, and that is that's and I good thirty five percent of them came from your shop. I, I'm looking around, saying, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> I'm having the opposite, where I go to your shop and I look through the boxes, and I'm like, "I used to have this guy. I used to have this guy. You used to have this exact. You, guy. you literally <laughs> used to have that guy." <laughs> Well, well, speaking of toys, one of the things that uh, I find so interesting about Star Trek, as you said, Star Trek is in this healthy place. Paramount Plus is not Disney Plus. It does not have the viewership. Correct. But the fan base is really energized and things like um, uh, companies like Master Replicas are doing a great job, like just taking the Eagle Moss unsold merchandise and Mm -hmm. putting it out at this time. And Mm -hmm. it's getting... Uh, ships are getting gobbled up in seconds. Oh, yeah. You know, every, every yeah. Friday they'll put stuff on their website. And it has been not without extreme effort that I've managed to get, like, the hero ship from each show. Yeah. Um, but there there doesn't seem to be that drive to create new merchandise. And I've been wondering, do you think it's because of the fan base? Or do you think that it's competing with the amount of inventory that still exists from Playmates in the 90s? Well, I, I would say that the Playmate stuff still moves more than I thought it would. You know, no more than I expected to. The original given Playmate day. stuff or the new stuff they've done recently? The original stuff. Yeah. The original stuff. Like, because I mean, I think that's just because, I mean, versus the new stuff, I think that's because of character selection. I mean, yes, you can get your Picard and your Khan and your, your Riker, but you can't get like O'Brien. You can't get Reg Barkley yet. So there's still people who are like, because of the resurgence of Trek, people are into it again. So they, they look back at that old stuff with, you know, with, with, with the, the eyes of a nostalgia and say, well, this is just kind of cool and it'll work for me because I'm just into Trek right now. Yeah. And I think a lot of that Star Trek stuff I find it still goes for retail. And I think it's because there's a, there's a few exceptions, but yes. Yeah. I, I think it's because there was so much of it when peak, when Trek was at its peak mm-hmm. and they, they were selling the line literally to children and collectors, but also collectors took care of it. Whereas the Toy Biz Marvel stuff from that era, uh, you can find it, but it's usually pretty beat up mm-hmm. because a five-year-old dragged it around his backyard. Absolutely, kids weren't doing that with data as much. No, well, it's a different kind of collector too. I mean, it's a. I mean, Star Trek, <laughs> it has a younger fan base, but they're not getting into it because of what Star Trek is all about. You know what I mean? The Star Trek is is such a more. 
I don't know. It's more intricate and things like that. They, mm-hmm. Like I think younger kids kind of miss the details of that. So if they if they are someone who's into that, even as a child, they're probably going to buy that, put it on their shelf because it looks cool, as opposed to an Iron Man and a Captain America, and you go out in the backyard and play Civil War. Yeah, with them. people weren't really smashing this. Yeah, so there's no of... reason to take your Picard and smash him against your yeah. seven and well. The throw Troy down a flight of stairs. Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't. In that's not the kind of thing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Did you see that? Uh, I posted this on the Facebook page, but somebody has been making like 80s action figure style toys with Star Trek with the kids like holding the action figures and screaming like they used to. But it's the yeah. plot. It's the plots of Star Trek. They're like, oh, no, Sarek has Sarek has Vulcan, Vulcan dementia. Picard must stand in for him at this conference. Give him the line mouth. Exactly. exactly. And they're like, whoa. <laughs> That's that's great. I love retro stuff like that. It, that is... it is because it was such a cerebral show, and I think that's one of the reasons it holds up so well. Because man, I can uh, TOS has a charm, you know, mm, of course. But but I can put on a next gen and get as lost into it as I could in the nineties. Yes, uh, next gen's a hard one to just. I'm bored for an hour. I'm going to watch an episode because. That leads into the next episode, which leads into the next because it's just such a great story. Even though it's not serial storytelling, not like you just want to know, yeah. right? Right? You just you're just interested in these characters, yeah. and and every time you get into that, you go, you know, you start watching an episode. Say you're watching, I don't know, whatever, you know, Measure of a Man or something, and then you watch that, and you're like, this was just so good. Well, what was the next episode? Yeah. You know, and it's a very easy thing to do. Yeah, um, yeah there's there's such a comfort. I fi- I find Next Gen to be such a. Uh, my like my safe place when I'm really sure. stressed out, yeah. and I think partially it, because it's so good, and um, you know, is that you don't feel like you're wasting time, but it's also the way it was shot. It was uh, you know the lighting and the color palette. It was just such a comfortable ship to live on. Mm-hmm. It you get this feeling of like I'm just gonna live on the Enterprise for 45 minutes. Absolutely, it, it's almost like it's almost like meditating. It's almost mm-hmm. like going into a spa. For your for your sci-fi brain. Oh yeah, absolutely, minutes. absolutely. And I and that's why I find I watch it the most. Whereas you know, TOS is this bombastic '60s, mm-hmm. and everyone is screaming except Leonard Nimoy right, all the time. Right. And Deep Space Nine is like Deep Space Nine. It's it's like watching Breaking Bad. It's like I'm gonna start season one, episode one, yep. and three months from now I will finish it. It's yep. very hard to take one and put it off the shelf. And I think. It's one of the strengths Star Trek has now is it's kind of doing both. It's having its cake and eating it too. Absolutely. I actually, and with Strange New Worlds, I think in season one, they did a very good job of that because the overarching story, if you will, was the idea that Pike is aware of his future and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't want to, he kind of wants to change the future, but he also as a Starfleet officer knows that's a bad thing, but they kind of pepper that in. But the episodes, the crux of each episode is still a very, we're going to go to this planet, we're going to deal with this alien, we're going to go away, next week we'll do the same thing. You know, we'll do with a different and I planet. I think season two ramped that up because uh, this season that just ended last week, it's like every week we're doing a different genre. It's like they literally followed a musical episode with the scariest episode yeah, I've ever was, seen of any Star Trek. It was a very, those last four episodes of Strange New Worlds were, were breakneck. Like, yeah. I could not, you know, we have the Lower Decks episode, which is hilarious. Yeah. Then the next one is a movie about veterans dealing with PTSD. 
Then the next one is a musical, and we're gonna all sing. And then the next one is a basically alien, you know. Yeah. So it's it, it's just it was it was it's alien whew. with Walking Dead. Yeah, exactly, it's, exactly. It's so dark, and they even mentioned the musical episode in that episode, oh, which I love. Because how are you doing? He's like, well, we're we're not all singing every ten minutes. Yeah, right. And yeah. then it's like, then an entire colony are dead. They show so many children in that colony that, like, by the the title sequence, are dead. Yeah, yeah. That, and I th- I think because they embraced, especially with Discovery and certainly with Picard, they embraced the season long arc, which mm-hmm. is obviously the the way drama is being sold. Sure. So to not do that with Stranger Worlds almost feels totally refreshing. It's kind of like how um, when sitcoms went from the three camera sitcom like Friends and Seinfeld to like the single camera Arrested Development and uh, Kirby Enthusiasm, The Office. Everybody was like, oh my God, this is a brand new thing. And I remember at the time going like, no, this is what they did in the 60s. Yeah. Like, go watch Batman. Go watch The Monkees. Go watch, you know, I Dream a Genie. These were not three camera sitcoms. It's just, the fact, it just wasn't being done a lot that Mm -hmm. it felt new. And I feel Mm -hmm. like Strange New Worlds within Star Trek is like, you know what nobody's doing right now? Episodic. Oh, Yeah. I, th- I feel like since, uh, for for me personally, it was um, Lost, was the first show I watched that was like, well, if you missed one second of last week's episode, you have no idea what's going on this week. You know what I mean? And I feel that all storytelling to a point went to that, you know, yeah. other than maybe your SVUs and those kinds I think of we shows. Had, uh, and even those had some sort of overarching thing going on. Yeah, the 90s, I think, started it, but they did it, they did it halfway in... In some ways, I kind of miss things like Deep Space Nine or the X Files or Buffy, mm-hmm. where it would be like, "There's the season premieres, the season finales, and sweep weeks. You cannot miss because right. we're going to change everything." Right. And then every episode, we're going to have a five minute scene that continues the story, but the rest of it, we're not going to deal with. Sure. But then you're right. When something like Lost came out, it was like. No, everything is a chapter. Right. Well, because even the X-Files, sure, you had those moments in each episode that was talking about the smoking man or the man in black or this giant conspiracy with aliens and all this. But they were talking about that around the fact they were hunting the wolfman. Right. You know, or whatever. And I think that that is a little more of what Strange New Worlds is trying to accomplish. That, yes, we're dealing with this is going somewhere. But in the meantime, let's talk about this. Let's talk about today. Right. Where Discovery, I, I don't think as much in the later seasons, but in the early seasons, were definitely more of that lost storytelling. Oh, yeah. That, we, like, we, hey, it's this, you know, I, you can't even call the episodes cliffhangers because it's just everyone is just a small piece of a I larger story. I can only story. think of the early seasons as one thing. I'm like, season one is the Klingon War. Yes. Season two is the Red Angel. Yes. And it's not until they make that jump from mm-hmm. being the prequel that Strange New Worlds became to being like the far for a future, right. which I think was the smartest thing for them. Oh my God. I thought they did such a good job of that. And I'll say this in the last season. Cause, cause I get, when I do talk track with people, there are people, I'd say discovery is the thing that gets the most guff probably. Mm. And I would say about that though, is, is don't forget that in those later seasons, I think they figured it out a little better. And if you remember in that last season, there was an episode where they were just, yes, it was all about the, um, uh, the 10 C, but there was a full episode about should we there was a tribunal should we even should we kill them should we talk to them and that was the crux of the whole episode and i like that because it took you out of the like we're flying away from this battle into this battle we're going to take a moment we're going to breathe and we're going to have a star trek type conversation it's going to be about an idea it's going to be about what kind of people are we going to be and the the episode after that was just about them learning how to communicate with the 10c 
And again, it was that felt so homelike to me watching Star Trek because now it's it's not about blowing things up. It's about no, the right thing to do is to just even if they are our enemy, mm-hmm. the right thing to do is to communicate. And that is if that's not Star Trek, you know what I mean? If that if that's right. not Star Trek television, I don't know what is. Now in a movie, I mean they just blow things well, up. The, mo- yeah. <laughs> the movie is all about bigger special effects. I think the the best way to show the difference between the TV universe and the movie universe is uh, look at Star Trek First Contact. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because as we're saying, like, Next Generation was this quiet, placid, welcoming. It's all about ideas. Next Generation always seemed to me to have the most dignity mm-hmm. of any show. That's a great way to put show. it. That's a great and way And then uh, First Contact, which I love, is that Picard is screaming and hitting people with the gun and yeah. not shooting them. Yeah, yeah. You know, and... <laughs> And smashing his little ships with another. Yeah, gun. yeah, he broke your little ships. Yeah, yeah, and it is it is a switch of genre as much as it is. Oh, a two hour episode which had a, a bigger budget, and I think where they did their misstep was Insurrection when they were because Insurrection was a two part episode mm-hmm. with a bigger budget, mm-hmm. and it's not as compelling because I agree. it's it's not big enough to be a movie. I uh, I would relate that to uh, the second X Files movie. That yeah. absolutely just feels like a long episode. That doesn't mean it wouldn't have been a great episode of the show, and it doesn't mean I don't like it. But when you're sitting in a theater in the dark with everybody around yep. you, you really kind of want more of that. Again, going back to X Files, that you want the ship coming out of the, the Antarctica, right? You, know? <laughs> you yeah, want the it, like, big. The... I, I want to believe had the budget of the show, where right? It was like like the big action sequences, Mulder's car gets pushed into a snowbank. Yeah, yeah like exactly. that's the yeah. biggest thing. <laughs> that's that's the action. And it was, and that movie was kind of like Insurrection, where I walked out of Insurrection in 98, and this was at a time where Deep Space Nine was like going into the Dominion War, and the stakes were heightening, 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 Mm -hmm. and Voyager was bringing on Seven of Nine. Mm -hmm. And it, and I walked out of that going, uh, and I was talking to my friends this back when I worked at Art Asylum, who eventually did the Star Trek toys. Right. Like, at that point, Playmates still had the license, and we all just left the office and went, and we walked out, we looked at each other and went... Well, they don't do the show anymore, so every couple of years they give us two more. Yeah, yeah. And I felt that way. I want to believe I don't think I even got to the theater as big an X-Files fan as I was. I think I rented it. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this was like, hey, don't you miss the show? Here the show is back again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in fact, they did bigger things when they actually brought the X-Files back for those two seasons. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I would say with with in Star Trek, Nemesis almost overdoes what they missed in insurrection oh yeah you know what i mean because now nemesis comes out and it's like yeah there's some cool tribunal stuff and some you know nice little conversations but really it comes down to that battle at the end where he's yeah. you know i want to he wants to look me in the eye and he you know he flies the enterprise directly into the ship attack. i mean it's all about over the top because i feel like they didn't put enough in the last movie right and it's famously a director who didn't understand star trek oh, and they wouldn't and me. would then never direct another film ever yeah, again i'll tell you i don't hate that movie the way the world does i think there's really good stuff in that movie and we've had this conversation i remember yeah. that you asked me i don't hate said, it the way i hate say final frontier but oh yeah but i don't think it's a good movie i do think picard redeemed it in a lot of ways i i agree and um i think that's uh sort of some of the beauty of of for lack of a better term repetitive storytelling when you just like it's probably the wrong word, but the 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 way that like we're just going to take this old property and try to put more meat in the sandwich, you know, yeah. uh, I I think that that's kind of cool. The fact that you can put something into this TV show and it affects this movie that came out what twenty years ago or whatever it was. Um, yeah, it's like the best kind of. It's like the best kind of like 
comic book continuity mm -hmm. of like, hey, you know, this thing is actually, it's, it's almost like uh, taking Spider-Man's black costume and making it Venom. Yeah. Because there's a couple of years between Spider-Man having the symbiote costume, getting rid of it, and then later David McElhinney and Todd McFarlane come along and they were like, hey, that black costume, what if we put it on a bad guy? Yeah. And that and then that becomes its own thing, which is mm -hmm. two movies without Spider-Man. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> So I, I do feel like it, I always love, that's the thing I love about comics is like writers going back to old stories and just unraveling a knot that mm -hmm. was in there and, and finding where that thread goes. And Star Trek, I think, especially now, Star Trek feels so much like comics in the best way because also it's almost like Strange New Worlds is Star Trek drawn by a different artist. Yeah. Because I've, I have long given up of... Why doesn't the Enterprise look like the '60s? Why Why am I looking at a third guy playing Mister Spock? Right. What? And I'm totally relaxed. I'm like, this mm -hmm. is like, this is like reading the Flash, and Alan Davis leaves, and Michael Wingo comes on. The style completely changes, but it's the same universe, the same characters, and they're telling good stories. Mm -hmm. Like I don't have to, I don't have to fit it all into a neat little. Uh, container anymore you know as far as that goes with trek i've always looked at it as um star trek is told through the lens of the people at the time telling you the story so it basically comes down to as a society what do we have concept of so in the 60s they didn't have concept of a phone without a cord yeah you know what i'm saying so the, on the bridge there is literally a phone that they pick up and it has a cord on it but it's just told to this line lens because as the storyteller, you don't understand hologram technology or, or whatever it happens to be. You don't understand the fact that there could be a, a sensor on the outside of the ship that you could just, you know, pop that up on the view screen um, as opposed to looking through Spock's science goggles. You know what I mean? Uh, so, and I think that as it goes on, I would say the same thing for uh, Next Gen. I think there's things in Next Gen that feel antiquated. Big old tube TV screens. Yeah. You know what I mean? That is that you still see those in Next Gen. I, I was loving... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, all sci-fi technology is our technology that does a lot more. Mm -hmm. So you're right. In in TOS, it's these two TVs that they turn on, and they're the the curved screens. Yeah, yeah. And one and one person comes on, and it sits on a desktop. The communicators, you have to flip them open and talk to them. Absolutely. And then on next gen, everyone has an iPad. Yep. Everyone has a speakerphone. Mm -hmm. uh, but but the laptops on the desks in next gen are laughable. Oh, yeah. I was, wa I was watching Picard in the Ready Room about a week ago, and I'm like, how do you fold that thing? And then I realized, you don't fold that thing. <laughs> just... It just sits on the desk forever. Yeah, that just, it's, <laughs> it, that's all part of it. It just, yeah. They, they just bring it into a big box, open it up, and put it on the desk. They install no... it. In, and, and when somebody would come in, they would swing it around. I'm like, that thing's bolted to that desk, isn't it? <laughs> it is. There's it's a, a lazy, lazy Susan. Susan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just flip it around. And, and now I go to work... Uh, first of all, I live in a world where I have a job where I go into an office two days a week and work five days a week. Mm -hmm. And I have a computer that I have to pick up from my house and walk into the office <laughs> and then open up. And at the end of the day, I have to close that computer and take it back to my house. Yeah, yeah. That is impossible on the goddamn enterprise. <laughs> hey, you know, it's just, it's just, it's the lens. It's how do you, yeah. how, I mean, because that's one, one of the things I loved about Strange New Worlds. And I, I think they actually, I shouldn't give all the credit to Strange New Worlds because I think they touched on this more in Discovery. But the idea that the new Enterprise is supposed to be the same Enterprise from 66, but 
because they're not going to just wheel out that right. stuff again, you know. But they, well, they, they made you... a couple comments about it. One, somebody when they first time they go on the episode, somebody go, I don't remember who says it, but somebody says to Pike Orange, really? And he goes, I like orange. So it was his design yeah. to put that in there. And I think the best example is in Discovery, they all use hologram communication. And when it was, but it's not on the original Enterprise. And Pike makes a comment about how holograms kind of freak him out. Like, so he just removed them from the Enterprise. Like, he just didn't want them on his ship. So therefore, why, you know, Kirk just takes over and this is the ship as is. Yeah, and and the look of it, it took me a little while to reconcile it, but I realized they're never going to, as much as Strange New Worlds is an updating of the 60s show in a way that no other Star Trek has ever done. Um, unless you're counting, like, anniversary episodes, like the triple episode of Deep Space Nine. True. But no new show is going to have, like, that kind of drywall set. And, you know, th- and that kind of dramatic... Lighting. I mean, Star Trek in 1966. The way the way I explain it to um, like my son's become a big Trekkie and he has a hard time with TOS. And I'm like, sure. I get it. It's 60 years old yeah. for you. You know, when I was a kid, it was 20 years old. Mm-hmm. It was an easier pill to swallow. But I, I always explained to him this Star Trek came out the same year Batman came out, mm-hmm. and it's doing the same job. It is selling you a color television. Mm-hmm. So there's just colors everywhere and everything's bright and the angles are dramatic and there's not a lot of reason for it there's there's no way you could get even a loyal audience of trekkies to to buy a show shot like the 60s there are fans that do that now for no money right you know you you can't do that you can't have them looking at a tiny view screen on the bridge you can't have everything being this blue gray paint right i mean even on next gen in 4k you can see paint on the walls. oh yeah absolutely you know you can tell that they're using plywood yeah and like i love the fact that it's like looking at so again it's comic books it's like looking at steve ditko art compared to um umberto ramos art of spider-man still spider-man same mm-hmm. storyline but you would never ask umberto ramos to draw exactly like steve ditko right so you go on the Enterprise and it has the J.J. Abrams lights. It has a view screen that's half of the bridge. Mm-hmm. It's like that just makes more sense. Right. I like for to force Strange New Worlds to be the 60s show. It would be to make that a lesser. It show. wouldn't work. And, you know, it, it really comes down to this, too. So like like I was saying, the lens, you know, the, the, the lens of the presenter. If you were to tell me in 1966 that the Enterprise had a giant view screen in front of the bridge, right? You would think, wow, well, I've only ever seen a TV that's maybe, what, at the time, four, no, not even that big, uh, you know, 30, 28, 28 maybe, 30 yeah. inches. So they think this, all right, we'll put this big square thing. But if you, if you well, explain that. Well, you remember that, the 80s where, like, the height of every rich, evil guy in the 80s was he had a wall of 12 like TVs? Like 12 TVs, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Like, so, it was like Bill Murray and Scrooge. Right, yeah. <laughs> they didn't have any concept of that. But now you said to somebody in 2020, you know, 20, whatever, and you say the, the bridge has a giant screen. Well, the Dallas Cowboys have a giant TV in their stadium that's like some ridiculous 500 yeah. feet. You know what I'm saying? So the, the the lens changes. So therefore, it does make sense that you could put this giant view screen in the front. And it was kind of a cool touch that it was, it's a window too. Yeah. That, that was really neat. And it's great for the, out, for the outside shots because as a kid, I, and I still do, I always wonder... Well, where's that room on the Enterprise? Where's that mm-hmm. room? And I will, I will go down a rabbit hole. I have the uh, the technical manual sure. that the Okudas made yeah. um, for 
next gen and be like, this is what's on this deck. This is what's on this deck. There's a YouTube video that does like 3D fly-ins. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I want to know how many bedrooms are on this Destiny right. Enterprise. Because it's impossible to tell from the ship. And I love the fact that all, I think almost every episode you go in outside the ship in through the view screen to the bridge. Right, right. So you know, okay, the bridge, if the bridge is this big, that means that means every room on the saucer section needs to be take up this amount of space. Correct. And in the drive section. What what I can't figure out and what drives me crazy is the Cerritos is they have a drive section that's past the nacelles and everyone's telling me you can walk through the nacelles and I think that would kill you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've never quite you understood that. You can't walk that. through the pylons and go that, I've, I've never understood that because there's an episode of Enterprise. I've asked Mike McMahon this on Twitter when it was still Twitter and I did not get a response. <laughs> he, had, he didn't have any response. He said, oh, you know what, we're going to leave that one alone. Yeah. But in, in Enterprise, they, they make a point of like, well, okay, let me put it to you this way. In Next Gen... There's that episode where Troy is getting um, echoes from a guy who found his girlfriend. Oh, yeah. I don't remember the name there's of the like episode. There's like a control room and then a cell. Right, but there's yeah. a control room. But then when he crosses that barrier, he vaporizes. Yeah. Right? He's gone. In Enterprise, there's actually an episode where they have to live in the nacelles for like three weeks or something. Yeah, because they're going through a, a section of space that would kill them. Exactly. And they had to like shut the engines down and it's just this big catwalk tube. And, and it's just so... Like, that's that's something that's like, I bet there's something, because Trek lore is very thick and airtight, and generally. Specific, yeah. yeah. So I bet there is a way that if I were to ask if the biggest technical Trekkie I could find, he could explain to me exactly why. Well, because they flipped this switch and it did this and they put this program on and they could do this. And you know what I mean? And it's yeah. like, well, I mean, just as a watcher, sometimes I'm like, how did that work? You know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's one of the things I love about Trek. Uh, you know, I loved I love Doctor Who, and I'm very much looking forward to David Tennant coming back and then Nakuti Gatwat taking it over on Disney Plus. But man, they don't care about <laughs> science at all. Everything is magic. Hey, you know the TARDIS is bigger on the inside and shut up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, <laughs> I, yeah, that's fine. I love the step Star Trek takes to explain why this is a spatial anomaly and it's mm-hmm. sending out tachyons. And when you step back, yeah, it's also bullshit. <laughs> yeah, of course it is. Of course but, it is. But you buy it in the moment. It's because it's all in every Star Trek show has a technical advisor. Yeah. Somebody who says there's a scientist on set. So when they say techno jargon, this and techno jargon, that he goes, actually switch that word with this word. Cause that actually could be a theory. Yeah. One of the guy, one of the, uh, Science guys on Deep Space Nine became one of the writers. That is, uh, that's brilliant. Naren Shakar, he uh, was, he was their main techno jar- <laughs> babble guy, and then eventually he was like, "Hey, what if we did this story?" And they're like, "That's a good story." I can, I can imagine that conversation. Him kind of being like, "Well, it's supposed to be this." You don't give me the pencil. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's like, like he was writing what O'Brien said about the station, and then he just started writing about Molly and Keiko, yeah, right. and nobody stopped him. <laughs> just, that sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and then Quark comes in. Yeah, oh like, yeah. He was like, wait, you gave us 70 pages for this <laughs> for this one paragraph. That's a lot of techno babble. Yeah, it's about a carnival now on the promenade. <laughs> Hey, but that that is kind of the beauty of Trek. I once think to Page of Aquaman in that way. <laughs> I was I was uh, helping. 
uh, we were jamming on a book after a convention because Aquaman was late and I was friends with the inker and he's like, can you ink some fish? And when nobody was looking, I inked his hook hand. Nice. <laughs> and I screwed it up and you can find the issue. Really? And his hook hand in one panel has a weird bump in it. <laughs> and it's because I did that and nobody caught it. That's your bump. That's my bump, baby. It's like it's like my uh, it's like my appearance in a Spider-Man comic, the character that doesn't look like me and is not named. Yeah, right, right, right. And that hangs on my wall. <laughs> like, how how could it not? No one knows I'm in it, but I'm in it right there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's another thing I'm loving about Star Trek now is, as you said, these age of reboots, mm-hmm. and we saw J.J. Abrams do it mm-hmm. of like J.J. Abrams like made the plot point splitting the timeline to keep the fans from arguing right about like hey why you know why are spock and uhura a thing and how come mm-hmm. how come you know how come kirk wasn't on another ship before the enterprise and they were like we're just changing the whole timeline and that enterprise resembles nothing of the original series mm-hmm. strange new worlds uh makes such an effort to go like look we'll meet you three quarters of the way mm-hmm. and yep. j- just uh like this season there's very very minor subplot about Christine Chapel um taking a fellowship with Roger Corby. Right. And I'm like, that's a guy in one episode. Right. That well, like it's her only backstory because she was a barely recurring character. I mean, look at look at Mbenga. I mean, yeah, you're talking I about a guy he who was, was in the original in a part of one episode and then he was the, the doctor in a full episode. Yeah. That's it. And that And I don't even know brilliant. why it was like DeForest Kelly not available or Um, no, I don't think it... <laughs> You know, I I don't know, um, but but it does seem like something like yeah, he had a, a graduation to go to or something. <laughs> you know, like he just couldn't make it. Um, He's hungover. Yeah, yeah, but possibly. Uh, but yeah, I, I love that. And that, you know, going back to what you're saying too about like just kind of the nature of the size of the bridge and how it relates to everything else. One of the things I love about Strange New Worlds is they've they've gotten into like because because there are crew quarters and captain quarters on every ship, and we've seen them all. Right. But we never saw where they were. Oh, it's always the same set. But I love the idea that they put, like, if you're an executive officer, you've got a nice, you're right on the edge of the the saucer section. You've got this giant window looking out. And that seems to be where the bridge crew quarters are. Yeah. And I I thought that's great. Because, again, it's like Picard, I mean, Janeway's got a really nice place. (laughs) She really does. And that's probably, they show hers in two box more than anyone else's. Um, it's, it's, it's nice. It's definitely the captain's quarters, but even in next gen, every time you see the captain's quarters, it's his living room or his bedroom. It's never like, like his whole place. It's like, he's either sitting at the chair, he says, come. And then, you know, whoever just walks yeah, in is five got, feet away from him. He's got a table and there's a doorway that has a bed with right. very shiny sheets. Yes. Oh my goodness. There's this. Those, shiny. Are shiny. those do not, that, those beds do not look comfortable. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, they, they. It also, if you're uh, if you're just like a lower decker, if you will, they um, they all just sleep in their clothes anyway. Yeah, so. that's one of my favorite lines in lower decks, where uh, the captain's like, "Look, we're all the same crew, we're all equal," and then Jack goes, oh, "The ensign sleep in a hallway." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's another reason I love that show so. Uh, lower decks. And it's it, it makes it makes fun of Star Trek without breaking Star Trek, and that is such a fine line to walk. It's not a parody of Star Trek, and it's so hard to explain. Until you've seen it. Yes. Yes. It's, um, well, one of the things that I thought was just interesting is, um, I, last year for season one or whatever, what are we on season five now? Uh, we're, we're going to, no, we going into we finished season four. We are getting, yeah, we're going into season five. Yeah. So this would have been the premiere of season four. It was over Labor Day weekend last year. I was out of town with some friends 
and I was kind of waiting for everybody to go to bed because it had premiered on that Thursday, and I was like, I don't have any Trekkie friends, so I was like, just, you know, so I'm waiting. And this one is of my, why we're doing this episode. Exactly, right? <laughs> right? right? But um, one of my buddies just kind of was hanging out. It was cool and everything, but eventually I looked at him. I was just like, dude, I, I really, I'm going to watch this episode. If you want to chill, that's cool, but, you know, if you know if you're not into it, whatever. I'm doing this now, though. He was on the floor laughing just through the opening credits. Like, just, you know, the, the the big worm on the nacelle. Yeah. Like, just stuff like that. He was just like, this is amazing. He was laughing at all the jokes. And I was surprised because I thought I was laughing at the jokes because I'm a Trekkie. You know what I mean? Like, but but then you don't you don't think about it that whether you know what a bat lift is or not. Right. When she cuts him with the bat lift, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's just comedy. You well, know? That, well, Lower Decks uh, got my kids into Star Trek, which I was never able to do. Um my my younger son has become a full blown Trekkie. Right like, on. He is proud to walk up to people and and he has gotten into arguments with his friends at school because he will tell them, "I love Star Trek. I hate Star Wars. You're all stupid." Okay. <laughs> all right. And all like, right. And and he keeps telling me, "None of my friends know what Star Trek is, <laughs> but I tell them they're stupid anyway, and they don't like it." <laughs> that that that. How does that even happen? It's they not don't like Star Trek doesn't Paramount. exist. Yeah, but they don't have Paramount Plus. It was the same thing with uh, kids. I didn't have par- well, of course, I watch every YouTube video and every. You know, when I, when I, I was a kid, I'm I, involved. Yeah, when I was a kid, I got into Star Trek because the reruns were on. Of course, you know, I'd watch in New York. It was Channel Eleven, mm-hmm. and it would be on Sunday nights and late late at night. It would be on after the honeymooners, and that's how I that's how I saw it. And sure. then, but I really got into it because there were new movies. I got into it because my dad took me to Wrath of Khan. Right. That's how I became a Trekkie, and the same thing with um, my older son. Did not like Star Wars until I took him to Force Awakens. And mm-hmm. when that came out, he told me he never finished a DVD. Like, I would go, hey, we're going to watch The Empire Strikes Back. And he'd be out of the room in an hour. Mm-hmm. And when Force Awakens came out, he's like, oh, my, all my friends say it's good. Can I go? And I was like, yeah, you can come with me. And then he liked Star Wars. And with start with Lower Decks, it was the fact that Mike McMahon wrote for Rick and Morty. And they right. loved Rick and Morty. And mm-hmm. granted, I probably shouldn't have shown them Rick and Morty. <laughs> You know, or Beavis and Butthead. Right. <laughs> or some episodes of Futurama. I let him see everything. You're doing the Lord's work, yeah. John. You're, you're doing a good job. But basically, I told him, <laughs> hey, this is a Rick and Morty version of Star Trek, and I'm watching it, and you don't have to leave the room. Right. And they loved it. But with the Easter eggs, just every now and then, I would laugh at something, and they would go, what's that? I'm like, it's in one episode of Deep Space Nine. And then they would get, okay, it's the obscurity of the reference that makes it funny. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, as I said, Sebastian just kept going because then I would put on the next generation. And I noticed within a month he was like, he was like, oh, that's the that's the starboard nacelle. And I'd be like, I was like, wait, you've picked that up, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and Ben's like, yeah, Lord X is the only thing I watch. Right. But pretty soon he's watching Deep Space Nine with me. And then he's like, he, we got to the point where he's like, I've never seen Enterprise. Can we watch the first Enterprise? Just so he knew who the characters were. Right. Right. And it was a perfect it was a perfect gateway because it was what we're saying about strange new worlds. And he's watching strange new worlds with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that, you know, it's, it's meeting kids on their level in a modern way, but it's not alienating older fans. And it seems like that's an impossible thing to do. And yeah, if you go online, there are a lot of older fans who would say I am alienated, but, but I feel like it's, but I think those are the same fans who've been saying that since 1987. And, and again, I, I, I remember when Next Gen was announced and people were like, this ain't my Star Trek. This is so stupid. Why would you reboot I this I was classic? one of those people. I, of course. I, I think it, most of us. 
I gave it to a code of honor and went, okay, I'm an, I'm original. I'm an original. We didn't even call it TOS. Right. I was like, nah, I'm original. I don't like this next gen. And man, I, I came back so late. Yeah. I came back when Leonard Nimoy appeared on it because he was promoting Star Trek six. Mm-hmm. I was all excited to see Star Trek six. And I'm like, all right, I'll watch, I'll watch this terrible Star Trek show <laughs> just because there'll be some kind of tie in. Right. And then I was like, wait, this show got great. So I missed, I missed best of both worlds. I missed like everything. Oh, wow. But, but then I was totally in, uh, but I was one of those fans. I, I didn't shit on it. Right. But, uh, cause I'm not an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that was the way of the world though. I mean, it, it, people just did not want that show to happen. Yeah. And, and I think that's just, you get so, I think that's just human nature to be comfortable in the things you're comfortable with. And then if somebody tries to make a, a change to that, you get kind of, you know, antsy, you know what I'm saying? You get a little uncomfortable with it. Uh, but, but really, uh, if, if they, this is why at the shop, I listen to a lot of fan opinions and I'll tell you this, if the studios listen to everything, the fans say we would have no entertainment. Because there's always enough people saying, this is stupid, don't do this, you know, until they, they love it. You know right. what I mean? It's, it's, that's the thing. Until Next it, Gen is a great example of that, is everybody hated it. And now if you ask, I think the average Star Trek fan is going, I, I, when I say the average, I mean like, I think 98% of people who watch Star Trek nowadays would say that TNG is the Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was noticing, um, as I was talking to millennials, which I mistakenly called you on. Uh, but like when we were talking about Star Trek, when like Stephen would come on and, and his sister Lisa and her wife Tina and uh, all the millennials would talk about Star Trek, they would only talk about Next Gen. Mm-hmm. And they didn't care about Kirk and Spock. And they weren't uh, they weren't excited about the J.J. Abrams movies because they didn't really care about those characters. Right. I think now because the TOS characters have been rebooted so many times. Mm-hmm. Like I said, we're on our third Kirk, third Spock. We got our third Scotty last week. Right, right. You know, um, I think those characters are probably better known because you've come in at every angle with them. But uh, but Next Gen is really strong. There are people asking, like, hey, when are we going to get the strange new worlds of Next Gen? There's people that want to see Next Gen rebooted because of it. I'm not one of those people. I think that what if I was going to see anything with them doing going further with next gen as far as rebooting goes, I would not hate a Kelvin universe next generation. Um, but the problem is, is even with Strange New Worlds, is like you're you're ta- the show Strange New Worlds is talking about a time we've never seen in Star Trek. We have the cage, mm-hmm. then we have a couple of years. Well, I mean, in 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 time, in the, the right. Star Trek timeline, and then we have Kirk. Right. So that section in the middle is prime territory. There's not really a lot of that with uh, next gen, because when we meet the next gen crew, Picard is going to the enterprise for the first time. They're about to go pick up Riker. There's no lore that we don't know. If, if you did a rebooted show in the style of strange new worlds, it would have to take place in between episodes or, or it would have to be the stargazer where it's like Picard right. with different characters. But then is it really him? the next gen reboot if Worf's not in it and Jordy's not no, in it and Riker's well, not in it? Well, then it's basically Picard season one and two. Where yes. you have Picard surrounded by new characters, which which had varying degrees of success. I thought sure. I, I liked season one. I thought it started to, uh, I don't think it stuck the landing at the end of the season. It got sure. really weird and warped in my opinion. You know, you land on the planet where there's always two datas and then Picard is a data and then they have flowers that protect the planet. And then season two, like they just lost me by being in Los Angeles for seven episodes for COVID. So, and I feel like on some level they were like, 
guys, let's just give the next generation. Re- re- give them what they want. So I don't, I don't think they'll, I don't think they'll stick their necks out. And in I just a way, don't think there's room for it. But if you, if you were to, if you were to reboot the next gen off of the Kelvin timeline, you considering the, the Kelvin split takes place the day Kirk was born. You're talking about a very different future. Yeah. And you could tell whatever story you wanted there. You wouldn't have to worry about them meeting Q and then fight, you know, him showing them the Borg and they fight, you know, the Cardassian war down the road. You don't need any of that. You just need a a jumping point and then you can go with new stories. Right. Well, and the other thing about that era is that um, as much as Next Gen stands t- so tall, I mean, it, it was named one of the best television shows ever made, mm-hmm. not just Star Trek, but it never, it well, not never, but most of the time, it existed alone until there was Deep Space Nine and then until there was Voyager. Mm-hmm. And now Lower Decks is in that timeline. Right. There, You don't have to have another Picard, another Data. You can just go, here's another ship in that universe because in the 90s, we saw so much of that Star Trek universe in a style that, that is of its time. That is exactly what I'm saying, yeah. is that you can't, you, there's no space to put any more stories in this universe, um, in this particular part of this right. universe. There, there's no. Yes, we're gonna have like, a, like, um, that's why I, I'm kind of into them doing. A, what do they call in the show? Uh, Star Trek Legacy. Well, hopefully they're doing the show hopefully, Star Trek yeah. Legacy because that is great. That is talking about that because we have not explored that time at all. Mm-hmm. This is the time after all those Braga era shows. This is something new. And yes, we could technically put a Titan show in there. You could do a rebooted Titan show in the style of Stray's New Worlds where you, you recast Riker and you recast Troy and put them but on the Titan. But why do that yeah. when you can just go on from here with, you know, Captain 709? You know, I, I think that would be just Anyways, amazing. That's what, that's what Discovery is. Whereas Discovery started out being Strange New Worlds. Hey, this is before right. the original series. And the style of that show, I think, was more incongruous to the rest of it than Strange Worlds was, once they went, okay, this is the one farthest in the future, it made a lot of sense. But it was all new characters. It wasn't all new ship. Well, I, w- I would say two things about that. One, <clears throat> I one of the, the <clears throat> excuse me, one of the weaknesses of Discovery is that in Next Gen, in TOS, in everything other than Discovery, we know who the bridge crew is. We know who these primary, usually seven people are, and we can follow them around doing things. Discovery, number one, was a show about Burnham, Saru, yeah. um, and uh, Lorca. <clears throat> that was it. And Lorca only exists in season one. Correct, correct. So we, so it took them to season four before we started having an episode about, you know, the navigator or the, the, the tactical officers, well, in I- which, to this point, I've seen all those episodes multiple times. I still can't tell you half their names. Yeah, that's what I was going mm-hmm. to say, is that there were episodes in this season where I was like, oh, that person, we're going to explore that person, that cyborg lady. What's her name? I don't know. Maybe they'll mention it. Yeah, right. They only do that to kind of, I don't know. Whereas, <laughs> yeah, I feel like Enterprise kind of had that problem, but at least on Enterprise, I knew who they were. Like, there weren't a lot of Sado episodes. There weren't a lot of Malcolm episodes, but I knew who Malcolm was. I would say that Enterprise did a better job of figuring that out quicker. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where Discovery, they didn't really go that route. Well, Discovery, uh, but, but Enterprise point, Discovery said, didn't come out going like, here are our seven main characters. Mm-hmm. They said, it's a story about, the, like Picard. And I, when Picard started, I was like, 
wow, this is the first time we've ever done a show based on a character, not on a mm-hmm. uh, not on a ship or a space station that has all of these characters in right. it. Um, but of course, Picard it turned out they created an ensemble around him, and but you're but Discovery was already doing that because you're right, it is about Michael Burnham, and then Saru right. became a fan favorite character, right. so he was given more to do. Right. So they've they've. Discovery is interesting. It's the show, it's the modern show I like the least, but I don't dislike it. Right. But I feel like they have, season by season, they have backed into being Star Trek. I would actually, I would say that. I think they lucked out. I don't think they intended to go where they went with the show. I think that they lucked out that they over, um, the the show is, uh, sorry, the ship is overly technological for the era. You know yeah. what I mean? Spore drive, all this stuff. I think they lucked out by by season three being able to say, well, if we just shoot this ship into the future and then we can just pretend it was a top secret project, that explains so much. That's why Spock has never mentioned Burnham. Yep. That's why nobody's ever talked about Spore Drive, all this stuff. They, they've really... Um, Spock had a lot of siblings he'd never mentioned until but, they but showed again, up. But again, the, the one thing that I think is great about Star Trek is there's just so much of it, you can always find a line to explain everything. And the line to explain that is in Star Trek V, when Kirk says, you never told me you had a brother, he says, you never asked if I had a brother. Why would you ask? Right, exactly. But but that's the idea. You Spock know what? I has thought, a sister, but nobody ever you, asked him. How long have you had the store now? Has it been five, seven, six years? Seven years. Seven years. I probably met you six years ago. I never asked you if you had a brother. You know why? Because it's not a topic of conversation you launch into. <laughs> that's true. That's because, true. Because they're telling a story. Did you know I have a sister? I, I did not until this See? Yeah, yeah, six yeah. years. You know why I brought it up? Because we're talking about siblings. That's yeah, right, right, right. So I guess that's, but, but I, I think that that plays into why nobody's ever talked about it. I'm just mad at Spock. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're all a little mad at Spock. <laughs> but moving forward, what are you most excited about with Star Trek? Oh, geez. I mean, like, I hope Strange, um, I hope both Strange New Worlds and Lower Decks hit that seven season mark, at least. Um, I would hope that Lower Decks keeps going and going and going. There's no reason to stop. Uh, I'm very excited about what's going on. I'd really like them to get back into movie making. Um, I mean, and again, like I think of Strange New Worlds. If you can go three, four seasons, why can't you do a Strange New Worlds movie? I would love that. I'd be yeah, very, very Yeah, it's been really interesting how, and I know it's just circumstance because Paramount and CBS are two different companies. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the timing, the J.J. Abrams movies, which, you know, by the third one, they're not J.J. Abrams. And I really like Beyond. It didn't do well, but... Oh, I loved it. I thought Beyond was actually my out, favorite one. <laughs> that came out right before Discovery started. So almost as a franchise, it's like, oh, we did movies. We're going back to TV. We don't right. need to do movies. So as a fan, I'm not missing a Star Trek movie because I have a lot of good Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, um, there's so many problems with getting the let's call it the Chris Pine crew back together. Oh yeah. No, I'm talking about more current a, a universe, thing, yeah. solid a prime universe. Well, Star we are Trek getting stuff. a section 31 movie on Paramount plus. We are and, we're calling it a long track. I liked it. Yeah. Like and, it. and judging from the, the budgets we've had on the shows, it's like, it's going to look fine. Um, I think the number one thing I want from Star Trek in the future though, is would somebody please tell me the real story that happened to Trip Tucker? <laughs> I, I am, I am, I know this is something people talk. I am absolutely in the camp that he did not die. This is this whole holodeck thing is just. It, it's very similar to what Spock's. I mean, I know there's no like wars or anything in between, but when Spock says in Space Seed, he says, "Well, it might have been in 1996, but we don't really have records for them, so you know, you know." So let's just say. That something happened between Enterprise and the original series that screwed up the records, and the story has not been told right. 
Trip Tucker has to be in the Section 31 movie. The timing works. I mean, he'd be old, but it's Section 31. They could do things. They could de-age him. They could have given him some alien DNA that makes him... I just want a true... Trip Tucker is one of the best characters in Enterprise. In my opinion, he's the second best character. Like, as far as character development, things like that, there is so much. When you talk about what happened to Florida, what happened to his sister, uh, how where he came up, he's... Um, every time they do an Archer flashback, unless he's a kid, Trip is right by his side. They've done so much with his character, and for them to throw him into the, the just throw him into an explosion at the end of the show, it still bothers me after like twenty years. So, well, well that leads I just me- want Trip Tucker. That's what I want out of Star Trek number one. <laughs> that that leads me to probably my greatest thing in the world: Star Trek themed. I don't know if I talked about it on the show, but you and I have talked about it. But Malcolm and Trip have a video podcast called The Shuttle Pod Show. Right. And they talk to mostly actors, but they'll talk to uh, special effect guys. And one of the things I love about that, and it's my greatest thing in the world, you can watch it on YouTube or you can subscribe to it where you're subscribing to this podcast. Um, it's usually a two-hour podcast. And mm-hmm. It's real loose and laid back. There's a lot of drinking in it. Sure, <laughs> um, sure. But one of the things I love is that Enterprise has now become nostalgia. Whereas it, it was always seen as the new show that didn't do as well. But these guys have a lot of fun and a lot of stories. And they've also had decades of getting to know all the other cast through conventions. Right. And it, if if anyone's ever worked a convention, you know that a convention is sitting in a booth all day and drinking all night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so I, yeah, I, uh. I love their their personalities have shine more than they have on the show. Mm-hmm. So to have a to have a place for them to come back, I think I think would be an interesting idea. I, I think, yeah, I think that it's 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 cool that because Star Trek is absolutely one of those properties that since people love it, they may not know they may not have seen every episode of Star Trek and every movie and everything like that, but they have something they like whether it's Next Gen, DS Nine, Voyager. I've, I've actually met people who've only seen Voyager, which blows my mind because I know Trek fans who have not seen Voyager. Yeah. You know, um, Voyager's my favorite. Uh, Voyager was the one I finished the last too. Yeah, I was like, I only watched every episode because I was home. Well, when. Uh, when my old son was a baby and mm-hmm. I was home with him, uh, Spike TV would show it. And I was like, you know what? I haven't seen every Voyager and it took me six months. Mm-hmm. But I, but it took me, it, at that point, it was the only one I hadn't finished. Right, right. But I think there's something that can be, there's always some nostalgia. There's always something that you can say, hey, you've seen this or check this out, you know. Um, I just think that the, the future could be very bright. Uh, you know, just, I think they have to have some confidence in it and they have to keep on doing what they're doing right now. Cause it's working out really well. Even like, cause I, I think with discovery, they realized pretty quickly that this is not what people want. And they aimed the show to be what more traditionally what people would want. And now it went from being this prequel to being like, now this is Starfleet in the very distant future. Yeah. And that's cool. Cause it's, again, it's something we haven't talked about. And before. Picard did the same thing, but, yep. but the way Picard did it was like, Look, what you really want is going to be a big event. Yes. So we'll give you the big event, and that's how we're saying goodbye. Yeah. No. So as great as Picard Season 3 w- was, you know, it opens the door for a Star Trek legacy, but it doesn't open the door for any other Picard. Correct. It just becomes this this huge, like a Spider-Man No Way Home moment. Right. You know, you're not going to make another movie with Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. Right, right. But... Uh, and, I, and I hope it holds up, because, I mean, on, on the Spider-Man note, like, I go back and watch that movie now... It's kind of gimmicky, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but it when, works. Oh, it's good. It's good. Don't get me wrong. But when when you watch it at home, when Andrew Garfield walks into the screen, it's like 
30 seconds of silence because they had to work that in for the fans to cheer him. Yep, which so, they did. Right, which they did. But like but when right. I watch it at home, I'm like, would, would this guy say something? What, just, what's going on? You he know? just sits there breathing for a while. Yeah, exactly. He's like, he's really out of breath for a Spider-Man. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So I, I think that they, I don't know. I think that the, the sky's really the limit. You've got a lot to work with in a sci-fi setting. You can pretty much do anything. You have a lot of characters to, like, a, a lot of species to pull from as far as what stories you want to tell. And then with Star Trek, you can always just add more. There, it's a, it's a very big galaxy, you know. Whether whether you meant to do it or not, you have to end with the fact that you started that with the final line from Next Generation. Did I? <laughs> you literally said the sky's the limit. Oh my goodness. So that's how, how do, much of a Trekkie I am. So Mike, how do people find you? How do people find the store? So we are at Mr. Wayne's PCC.com and all our social medias are at Mr. Wayne's PCC. Um, yeah, we got a Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter, all X, all that stuff. Um, but the sh- the store itself is at 10 West Burlington Avenue in uh, Westmont, Illinois. And our phone number is 331-903-6774. If you got anything you want to talk to us about, just hit us up. Yeah, Come on in. It steps away from a train station that le- that leaves Chicago. That's absolutely right. Yeah, it's a quick, uh, maybe a, I don't know, what, a 40-minute train ride from downtown? Something yeah. like that? Yeah, the Express will get you there 25 minutes. There you go. There but you go. You, know, you took the day to leave the city. You got time. There you go. <laughs> Come in. Come into town. Hit up some of the restaurants. So we got a cool antique store in town, so you can make a day of it. And you can find me at Not On My Book on Instagram and Threads, which I have yet to post anything, but I'm looking at people's <laughs> stuff. Uh, threads, you need to create a desktop app because I'm old and I don't look at my phone as much as kids do. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I am not on X because X stands for uh, X Twitter. Yeah, right. It's the TBD, which <laughs> it's a TBD <laughs> name, which stands for Twitter be dead. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you can also subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts and our Facebook page is always active. Facebook.com slash caffeinated comics, where we show all the news that is fit to geek. And we will talk to you next week. <laughs>